Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. We are beginning a new six-week study entitled Communicating with Your Family. We are being led by Rick Works from Faithful Fathering Initiative of Texas. We meet on Thursday mornings from 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. We welcome you there at the Fellowship Center at Houston's First Baptist Church. Hope to see you soon and have a great day. Father God, thanks for this day. God, thank you that you have given us the gift of words, the gift of ears and listening. Um, But God, more than that, the the gift of faith in our heart that we believe unto you. And that, uh, God, you credit righteousness to us through that. And Father, also that through our heart is where we express our love. Um, Help us to communicate well so that the people that we love and the people we're called to lead would know that they're understood and know that we truly, uh, God, have vision for that relationship with them. We're not just skating by. We're not just being stuck in a rut. But, God, we're actually striving to love, to care, and to lead. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Good morning, man. Blessing to be with you. And that's, uh, I'm glad to hear that you have been practicing this week. Did you get to work through the listening devotion this week? Did you discuss that at all with your wife, get that read? Anybody? Yeah? And was anybody able to handle the extra credit I passed out at the midweek? I gave you a, a devotion called Whisper. Did you get that? Did you read it? Well done. Did you, we got to. A, that was a test to see. You know, I just want to know if you got your homework done and if you're able to take that on that extra stuff. And that's a that's a huge thing. That's a it's a blessing to uh, have these opportunities to go through these experiences across the week and open up our hearts and minds to some of these listening dimensions that I know I have uh, disregarded in the past. But I want to to back up just a little bit and and just refresh our memories here on the on the, the, the four things that really take our, uh, our uh, communication spiraling downward too often. They are you know, the direction of communication, the escalation where we, we identify the white horse in, the, in Revelation, the escalation where we have to uh, conquer every communication effort we have. The escalation takes you and you've got to win. And uh, that's, that's one of those things that takes communication spiraling downward. We had the red horse, the invalidation, taking the peace out of the home, you know, just invalidating somebody's thoughts, ideas, immediately judging, putting it in their place, and moving on. And uh, that's another one of those dimensions that takes, can take that communication spiraling downward. Black horse was the negative interpretations. In other words, there's some mind reading going on. No matter what you do, have you found that? That you, you see yourself, you're trying to do something very well, but your wife says, I think you're just kind of playing a game doesn't buy into this yet. Is that happening to anybody? You know, that when we go to make, when I, I know when I went to make a, be very intentional about my changing and the way I wanted to listen, the way I wanted to communicate in the home, I got a lot of second thoughts. You know, what are you up to? <laughs> Why are you playing? Is this a game you're playing or are we really making an effort here? And that's, I was convicted of that, that sometimes those negative interpretations would try to shut me down in my, in my efforts. And finally, the pale horse was withdrawal and avoidance. That wasn't me, was it? Uh, withdrawal and avoidance. This is where you know someone just you just want to back off and say, you know, I don't want anything to do. I don't want to go there. I don't want to discuss this. And the other person says, We're going to discuss it now. You know, just kind of that that pursuing and and withdrawing and. And that's the other dimension that takes the communication spiraling downward. What we've talked about over the weeks is to, to really be more sensitive to these horses as they, as they uh, get involved in, in just who we are. Some of us are, I know my personal one, the invalidation and the escalation were the two that I really had to work hard on to keep those things under control. 
On the listening side last week, we talked about the filters, the inattention, you know, just not really paying attention. Anybody run across that this week? You catch yourself with the newspaper or the radio or the television. You know, I, I've gotten to where I just am very sensitive to any noise in the house. And uh, so I, I try to, I've shut, I've kind of gone the other extreme. We watch very little TV, uh, don't have cable. Uh, yes, we've bought a lot of those little boxes, you know, that type of thing to allow that digital conversion because we still use the rabbit ears. But those internal and external factors that, that uh, can make us inattentive to really what a child has to say. Any of your kids come up to you this week and say, hey, Dad, I have something to say? Anybody? Did you, how did you feel? Did you say, I'm busy now, or what did you, how did you? Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, fantastic. Well, that's good stuff. You, know, you, you have the opportunity to kind of practice some of these things. The emotional state. Good and bad mood. Did anybody find themselves kind of trying to manage that a little bit this week? Remember we talked about the trouble tree? You know, put those troubles on the tree before you go in the house. You find yourself in those situations? Anybody? How about the beliefs and expectations? Did you, was there any communication with you? This is usually husband-wife that this happens, where you have a belief and expectation and you find yourself assuming some things because of your past experience. Did you run into that this week? How'd you handle it? Okay. You work through it, then all of a sudden it comes into focus that, hey, this is something we talked about, and uh, that's great. That's a sense, that's that word, man, you know, that we don't like it, sensitivity. Uh, style differences, the introvert, extrovert. Anybody have a real outgoing kid and, and or, or the other side around did, you, did anybody have that going on yeah You're just trying to connect how do you how do you work to connect those two You have to be, again, you're sensitive, you're intentional in the way you're approaching because of their style difference, and that, uh, that helps that communication effort. That's, that's powerful stuff. And finally, self-protection. Had anybody just try to, try to put up the wall to protect themselves across this week? Kids didn't want to be rejected. Remember last week we talked about a, dad, a kid didn't want to ask dad to go play catch because he didn't want him to say no, he didn't want to be with him. He's busy. You know, those are the things we have to be aware of because... These are the, the filters or the other things that can allow that, that communication to spiral downward. And what I'm hearing is the intentional effort is, 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 is being put forth. And that's really what this study is all about, just to help us be a little more sensitive and a little more intentional tomorrow than today. And as you do that, you become a hero in your, in your child's eyes, which is, is our mission as a ministry. All right, so we're going to move on. We're going to talk about communicating in conflict. All right, this uh, this is a good read this week, and uh, it'll be a, a good good bit of work. Um, I did uh, have one more question on uh, on page 48. Before we, I wanted to back up here just a minute. On page 48 on that chart, anybody want to share what their letter grade was across the week on your? Uh, 
says, if you have been doing your listening to others, this have you been doing on your listening to others this week? Give yourselves a letter grade. In other words, did you catch these various filters? I'm hearing that you did. But how would you how would you, how would you rate yourself? Anybody give themselves an A or a B? You can be confident. Come on, step up there. Yeah. Well, there we go. We got a is that an A or a B? B plus A minus. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Anybody else want to go there? All right. Well, I thought that you know that's sometimes these, you know there's a couple things when you get into this homework they, they don't pull any punches, do they? You want to know well, how do you grade yourself? Why is it this grade? And 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 what are you going to do to improve? You know, and that's that's the point. We're not here to judge anyone. You know, I certainly it's just the fact that I'm amazed at how quick this communication can spiral southward. And my challenge, personal challenge, and encouragement to you is, as long as we're intentional, we can nip some of this stuff in the bud. So let's go on and talk about conflict. Conflict is the goal. The goal is to control the impact of the four horsemen and the listening filters, because they do work in tandem, don't they? And that's that's what we have to be aware of. Is that you know we, I tend to dis disregard the horses by throwing up some listening filters in there and then I'm, I'm happy I'm within myself and we, we go we go on about the business and that's not the healthy way to go so we have to be careful of that uh, to understand but that's our goal this morning is to understand how we can control the impact of the four horsemen and the listening filters I want to first of all define conflict officially it's by Webster's it says a fight struggle or war a sharp disagreement opposition or clash all right, and then finally, an emotional disturbance resulting from the inability from an inability to reconcile. So you see, it can be a very short term, a flash, or it can be a longer term inability to reconcile that really inhibits virtually all communication with an individual for a long period of time. So you see, there's a short term that escalation side, and then there's that long term, which is essentially the withdrawal and avoidance. At the end of the day, I call conflict. One of those horses running wild <laughs> in our house. No range, can't get a hold of that son of a gun, and he's, that's, that's the conflict that's just escalated on you. So our challenge this morning is to really understand how we can control that, and uh, we're going to walk through some of the things that, that, that uh, do that. So I, I want to look at it really in two dimensions. The first one is to know that effective communication depends on our ability to create what we call a safe structure, We'll go through specifically what that is. And the second dimension will be the willingness to grant, seek, and receive uh, forgiveness as necessary. Well, that's, going to be, that's our goal this morning. And what I want to first introduce is the idea of that safe structure. You ever thought about creating that in your home? What is that safe structure? First dimension is to make sure that we're able to stay calm. You know that that immediately creates that peace and serenity that allows that kind of open communication. Anyone can call for a timeout. Sometimes my bride just slaps a technical. She goes right past timeout and puts technical on me. You know, and slaps that piece of you're out of the game. Oh, but that's that's what we have to be aware of. Just anyone at any time can say, "Listen, I just—it's just been one of those days." How many of y'all have daughters? You know, there are certain times that they just don't want to talk about things, right? 
And that's what we have to respect and say, okay, time out. I won't force the issue, but let's decide when we're going to come back and to go here. All right? So anyone can call a timeout and just and just say enough, right? But that doesn't mean we don't ever go there. It just means that's okay. We'll reschedule for a future event. Don't focus on the negative comments. You know, that's as you stay calm. I know when when my frustration starts to percolate, that's that's one of my. I think I shared with you my one of my horses that runs rampant in my life is that that that. Uh, White, that white horse, that's, uh, that's the, uh, the escalation. And that escalation is, uh, uh, I've become more sensitive to the fact that I get frustrated. And then when I start getting frustrated, I start talking through my teeth. And, I talk, and you just, that starts to percolate, and it goes into anger. And that's where I have to say, all right, I'm not going to respond to the negative comments. I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best to minimize the impact of the negative comments. I'm going to focus on the other side. So don't focus on those negative comments, and then absolutely pray through the communication effort. Pray through the communication effort, because we can never get enough of that support in, in, that, in, in that arena to help, us, help personally, is to help me stay calm in what is a potentially conf, a conflict in our home. All right? So that first step of that safe structure is to create that calmness by how? By allowing anyone to call for a timeout and just say we're not, we can't go here right now because of extenuating circumstances, outside influence, whatever the case may be. We're not going to focus on the negative, and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit into our conversation. Keep it wrapped in prayer. All right. The second dimension of the structure is to be non-defensive. Now, to me, when I think of non-defensive, that means I get to go on the offensive, right? I lived in Europe a couple of years in London, and I was convinced that they didn't teach defensive driving over there. They taught offensive driving because you know they they have these real skinny roads, and you know as you approach the speed of light, you get smaller. And I was convinced that's the way they drive in London. They, they the faster you can drive, the skinnier your car gets, and you can really fit on those little roads. So don't go on the offensive. Just be non-defensive, meaning that don't throw up those walls that inhibit that communication. Knock, knock those walls down and allow folks to communicate freely. Listen to the verbal and nonverbal communication. We've talked about that in the active listening this past week. Did you find that amazing as you went through the, did you Did you really find yourself picking up the nonverbals this past week? Did you do that? You're a little more sensitive to that? What did we say? What percent of, of, of communication is actually verbal? Sometimes all the way up to 30%, right? Rest is nonverbal. So be sensitive to that nonverbal communication as well. And I can't emphasize, this is something, and I, I, I tend to have a little bit of a sarcastic nature, and I also tend to talk under my breath sometimes. Not a good idea in conflict. Because when somebody hears you talk under your breath, what are they assuming? It's negative. Absolutely. They'll grab a hold of that. So speak clearly with a very good tone of voice when you're in conflict. Don't allow something, don't allow the conflict to escalate just because you're talking under your breath. For two reasons. One, personally, when I talk under my breath, it usually is a little sarcastic dig, and that doesn't help the situation at all. But the second thing is there's too much potential for miscommunication in the conflict anyway, isn't there? 
So you're better to make sure to speak very clearly with a good tone of voice and make sure that you're understood clearly. And by the way, watch your body language as well. You know, if you're already closed up and tightened up and what have you, then that's going to be received one way. So my point is, don't be, you know, be non-defensive. Don't go on the offensive in this area when you're trying to create a safe structure to address conflict. Right? Be non-defensive. Any questions on that? Make sense? Buy into it? Right. Practice the validation. I shared with you my story of invalidating my daughter. And there are a lot of dimensions in which we invalidate, a lot of degrees for invalidation. And I just encourage you to continue to always uh, help sensitize yourself to that. And I, I actually employ my employ, engage my bride as, as one of those calibrators. She has the right to, to, to uh, give me one of these or give me a, you know, whatever to let me know that I've, I've just invalidated. Women are a lot more sensitive than we are, at least in my house. That's, that's, and I, I, I try to engage her sensitivity to help me be more sensitive to the situation. Not that I allow, you know, I, I mean, don't misunderstand that. That doesn't mean that, that everything, that every potential conflict is not, uh, uh, is to be avoided. I mean, some conflict helps the family be healthy, right? But the challenge is to keep it in a safe structure so the conflict doesn't escalate and really do damage. So I, I want you to understand that when you're looking at validation, practicing validation, do employ the other things going on around you to increase your sensitivity. And that may be through your wife. It might be through your teachers, kids' teachers. It might be through their coaches. It might be, you know, some other adults in your family that just happen to have a good relationship with one of your children. But that's, those are the things that help us. Uh, so we take responsibility for that. No condescension. No, no condescension on, on, uh, on the kids. And... Uh, be, be willing to apologize, those famous words, I was wrong, I'm sorry. So these are the things that help you validate someone else because they need to know that we're not perfect. Uh, acknowledge their point of view. Those are the things that we really want to, to, to make sure we're conveying is that sincerity in our communication effort. So as we do those things, practicing validation by taking responsibility, no condescending in the, in the communication, Apologizing if necessary, if you've crossed a line or if you just made a mistake, maybe you were late picking somebody up, you know, be willing to, you know, my, uh, my first instinct say, well, I'm busy, I got there when I could. Well, they don't care about that, they just know that you're late. And so I just say, okay, I'm sorry, my bad. I, I just didn't make it. Will you forgive me? Always acknowledge their point of view because it's important. The fourth dimension of this safe structure is no digging up the past. <laughs> How good is your memory? Mine's perfect from my perspective. Not very often in sync with the other party's perspective of that time. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I have a sister that, uh, that just has a perfect memory, and she remembers everything absolutely the way it is. And the trouble is that she's also an author, so she likes to write. And, uh, and I just, yeah, I said, well, you know, wait a minute here. I, that isn't quite the way I remembered it here, you know. This, this, you know. this is my recollection. And then you begin to realize that 
two kids can go through the same experience and have quite a different perspective on the thing, right? Particularly a sister and a brother. And that's something for us to remember when we go to digging up the past is to understand that our kids are going to have a different perspective than we might have if we're talking about an issue with our kids. And certainly if we're talking about an issue in our, in our, with our, in our marriage relationship, there's going to be a different perspective. So be very careful about uh, digging up the past because personally, I, I, my memory really isn't all that good. And it isn't really worth the, effort, worth the potential negative to go there to, uh, in, the, in, the, in the deal. Does that make sense? Anybody run into that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That digging up the past can be uh, can be a rough place to go. All right. So don't test your memory and don't uh, don't necessarily always engage and, and trust somebody else's memory either. Just, just flat, don't go there if you if you can avoid it. So what have we done in this safe structure? You see how staying calm keeps the escalation in check. You see how being non-defensive keeps that negative interpretation in check? You see how practicing validation keeps that invalidation, that uh, red horse, in check? And finally, no digging up the past can keep that pale horse, that withdrawal and avoidance, where it can really get ugly, it keeps that horse in check. And that's our goal with this safe structure. Make sure that it gives that it gives you that opportunity to really neutralize those four horsemen. Don't let those horses run around in your house uh, and, and allow those negative patterns of communication to really take hold. Your goal is to keep those negative patterns you know, out of out of the house. Right. I've got a quick film clip here from uh, uh, another one of my favorite movies. You've seen the one before. It's from Cheaper by the Dozen, and this is a conflict with between a father and a son. I want you to think about what structure has been managed. You know, you're looking at this safe structure of calm, non-defensive, being uh, validating, and finally not digging up the past. See, see what happens in those four dimensions and how those four horsemen are kind of managed through this situation. And you let me know if you think the dad did a good job or not. Let's watch this just a couple minutes. Okay, guys, good job. Now go inside and get cleaned up. Come on, hopple up, hopple up, let's go. You guys from Oprah? Yes, sir. She's really going to be here. Yeah, anytime now. Okay, well, just, you know, set up anywhere. Oh, will do. Let's go, guys. All right, let's set up over here, guys. You want to put the sticks down right over there? Anyone's up boxes? Not much? You got kicked off the football team. Wow, look, you decided to be a parent. Let's check that attitude, Charlie. I don't fit in this town, Dad. I'm going back to Midland. You are not dropping out of school, and you are not walking out on this family. What family? Since we moved here, everybody's been looking out for number one, especially you and Mom. Your mother and I are doing what we think is best for everyone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You did not take this coaching job for us. 
You took this because you were a loser in college while Shake was out there being a superstar. If you want your shot at glory, Dad, if you want to have it all, you do what you got to do. But quit feeding us this line about being a happier and stronger family. This move was about you. And you know what? I don't have to sit here and pay the price for your life choices. I'm leaving. You're staying. Are you going to make me? I love you. I want you to have the best life you can have. And that means you are getting a diploma. When I graduate, I'm gone. Toe-to-toe, could have gone one way or t'other. What are your thoughts? Do they keep the same? How did he manage that structure? Lowered his tone. Got non-defensive, right? He could have got. He could have thrown up all kinds of walls, right? He kind of got hit in the soft underbelly with the digging up the pass there, didn't he? Anybody else? Lowered his tone, showing what? Staying calm, being non-defensive. What else? Okay, so there's a validation to the effect that uh, he would he wanted him to graduate from high school, but there's a lot of invalidation at the upfront, front, wasn't there? You, know, you got kicked off the football team. And then, what family? That was an invalidation back to dad, wasn't it? All right? Anything else? Did it, was it allowed to escalate? It, it kind of went up a couple of times, got pushed up, yeah. But then he did a good job. You see what digging up the past does? Did his son have any idea what really happened back in college? No, but he dug up his perspective, didn't he? That fit the time. <laughs> and that really kind of, that's the thing that a lot of times it goes to Fifth City instead of lowering your voice. There's a lot more issues of dads and sons busting up right there and then just walking out and then 10, 15 years later, they reconnect. That's what we. That's what was avoided here because of the intentional effort that the character Steve Martin is playing here showed as a dad. He realized, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to let this situation percolate out of control. I'm taking responsibility as dad, and I'm going to keep it in check. No condescension but accepting responsibility for where that conversation could go and making sure it didn't go there. That's what intentionality and sensitivity to the situation and to the negative patterns that we're talking about over these weeks will help you get through. As a young man that busted out at age 13 in a very similar situation, I can tell you it's not worth the 13 years of, of no communication with dad. 
He didn't make my high school graduation. He didn't make my college graduation. He didn't make a tennis match. didn't make my wedding. But he finally did get to meet his granddaughter and his grandson. A safe structure will help you neutralize the four horsemen and those negative patterns that can really take communication southward. Amen? The second dimension that we're talking about this morning has to do with our willingness to grant, seek, and receive forgiveness. I think it's important that, uh, that we understand, first of all, what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the willingness to cut the tie between the past action and your present relationship. A willingness to cut the tie between a past action and your present relationship. I keep it pretty simple. Easy to say. <laughs> not so easy to do. What it is not has nothing to do with never having feelings about what happened. We're human. Now God, he can let go and forget, right? But as humans, we're going to have feelings about what happened. That's just the way it is. That's who we are. That's what we do. It also does not mean that you don't take responsibility for the issues, you know, for the situation and the associated consequences because that's part of the deal. So when I had to go back and, and make amends and reconcile with Dad, I had to take responsibility for my action and the consequences of those actions. And I had to understand that just because I still had feelings about what happened, I could not allow that to be a wedge between you know, what happened and our present relationship. I wanted to embrace a present relationship for the sake of him getting to meet his first grandson, his only grandson. When you're in that situation and you have some forgiveness that needs to be granted or you need to seek, I just want to give you a few steps to, to look at and to pray through. And these are on your, in your handout as well. But I want you to, to know that the first step is always prayer. I, I'm knocked back. You know, when I'm blessed to do these studies, I'll, I'll do these studies for larger groups, smaller groups, and, and it's... But, you know, one of the things that always comes back to me years after the fact is someone saying, you know, the, the one thing I really grabbed out of your workshop or your study is the idea to be, begin praying for my children by name every day and my wife and my family. There's a powerful story of a young man that had really had been estranged from his family for nine years. He'd taken quite a, a few wrong turns and uh, had not had contact with his family for nine years. And just through happenstance, we were talking about it, and he began praying. And that began to open doors. And from a, a summertime discussion and study, over Christmas I got a picture that he had actually been out to California and re-engaged with his family because of the doors that prayer had opened. He got to meet a granddaughter that he didn't hadn't met before. 
over the nine years of estrangement. Never discount the power of prayer. And if you pray for direction and healing, then that will begin to open doors and situations that allow you to walk boldly through whatever communication wall has been built up. Set a time to discuss specifics around the situation. You know, when I called my dad and said, uh, hey man, I'd, I'd love you to come down and meet your granddaughter. I needed to set up some time in there to discuss some of the specifics, not, not to go back and dig up the past, but really just to discuss the specifics. And my specifics were that I was a cocky teenager, knew I had all the answers, and uh, I just didn't have time to mess with the, uh, uh, you know, his perspective on things because it was a violent alcoholic situation. Now, was I right or wrong? That's insignificant. It doesn't matter. The problem is the relationship had, had suffered a blow, a blow that had really 13-plus years. So set a time to discuss those specifics without the emotion engaged around it. Do be your best to keep the emotion in check, but to discuss just the specifics around whatever the situation might be. Work to identify the core issue. And that's that's something that happened when I when I invited Dad down. We were living in West Texas at the time, and I was shocked. Number one, they said, "Yeah, I'd love to come down." I said, "Oh boy, now here we go." But we took him into uh, Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg had a thing called the Nimitz Museum. Dad was a World War II pilot. He was a flew Hellcats off the USS Wasp, and Ma always said he came back from the war a different man. Of course, I had no perspective on that. But as we walk through that museum, all of a sudden I got a little bit of perspective. You know, when you're taking off an aircraft carrier and you see a sign saying the, you know, the, the enemy is 350 miles out, or 350 miles round trip, or actually 200 miles out, uh, 4 miles round trip, and your range on your aircraft is 300 miles with the fuel. You can't say, hey, I don't want to go. <laughs> Doesn't happen. And then when you're coming back looking for your aircraft carrier as a postage stamp on an ocean, in lights outside type situation because it's wartime, and your buddies are going off in the drink, and you happen to find that aircraft carrier and, and take care of business and get back safely because of the way you've flown, I might not have been able to turn away from the alcohol either. You know, there's nothing I could do to put myself in his shoes that really understand the situation. So what I was convicted of is I was, I was judge and jury, and that was the wrong place. You know, even Jesus... When he came, he said he did not come to what? He didn't come to judge the world. He came with a sword. Now, I always, you know, if you try to stay and just read that little piece, well, swords means judge. No, the sword is the word of God, which means that's what we're working to emulate. That doesn't mean that we judge others based on our perspective of the word of God. 
It just means that we're drawing closer and deeper in our relationship with God and the way we walk, the way we live, which means that we are understanding of others and, and patient with others and non-judgmental of others. That doesn't mean we're, I don't want to go to the tolerance word, I don't want to go to embracing sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just personally that I had judged Dad for what he was doing in my life, and that's that was the extent of my my vision. And as that those blinders got knocked off to understand a little bit more of his past, not to mention the generativity of alcoholism in our family, then you throw a World War II situation in there, and it's a mess. The healthiest of guys may not have been able to make the right turns to be the father he really wanted to be at the time. So identify those core issues. When that core issue came to light, that enabled me to begin to seek that forgiveness. So then I could, I could explore my own personal pains and concerns that I dealt with, that I processed in a way as a teenager, and then how I was going to process them as a 28-year-old dad. Quite a different perspective. You see, as I began to understand the core issues behind our relationship and who he was, as well as the pain and concerns that I had kind of shoved underneath for 13, 15 years. So explore those. Be, be, don't be afraid to explore those pains and concerns as, uh, as you work through this process. And then I could seek forgiveness. And I just, that's all I did. I didn't, I wanted him to forgive me for being a cocky teenager, thinking I had all the answers and busting out. Now, did I also want him to apologize for some of the things and the, the abuse that went on in the home? Well, yeah, but that's not, that's not the issue. Remember, we can only change who? One person. We can be an influence in other lives, but I was just trying to come clean myself. I had to learn to forgive. And 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 I wanted him to uh, I wanted him to understand that that I wanted his, I wanted him to forgive me for being a cocky teenager and assuming some things that were evidently inaccurate. So I wanted to seek forgiveness and or receive forgiveness depending on your situation. Commit to a positive change. You know, one thing we knew is there had been a lot of water under the bridge over the 13, 15 years. Were we ever going to be best buddies? I don't know. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to commit to a new level of relationship in a way that my children would honor him as their grandfather. That was always, that was the step. If something else percolated, then great but I don't think we were going to be best buddies. But we could, and we did, commit to a new relationship. One that ended up, we talk on occasion. Uh, the Christmas before he passed away, he knew uh, he, was, he had emphysema at 76, and we knew at Christmas time that, uh, that it was just a matter of, of weeks and we were out of the country at the time, and he essentially said, you don't need to come back for the funeral. And I said, I would be there. 
but we actually did have that kind of we had a community we had a communication we had a relationship as and we were able to reconcile in that time so committing to that positive change is a significant step in in these in this step of forgiveness and finally understand that uh, healing takes time if depending on how deep the wound is you know whatever the situation is it may be and I, I always want to say, you know, if if you if you did have a situation like this with your dad or a rough situation, and your dad has passed on, you know, I I've gone by uh, grave sites with men to pray together, and you know, they, these are things that these are this is healing and reconciliation that can happen. So I just want you to know, if that happens to be your situation, I'd be happy to talk with you afterwards about that. But you know, I. It, there's, there's a whole spectra of issues that we're talking about here when it comes to steps of forgiveness. It may just be that you lost your temperature, temper, temper with your child at some point in time. It may be that there's a pretty deep, gaping, fathering wound that, that was brought out in Quest for Authentic Manhood. You know, I, there's a whole spectra of things that we could talk about here. But uh, I, I'm trying to give you a little bit of a framework to begin to, to help make sure that this doesn't become a roadblock in this communication effort that we're working through over these six weeks together. But know that I am available after this session if there's something specific you'd like to discuss about reconciliation. Uh, be a blessing to have that time with you. Okay. But understand that, that healing takes time and prayer. You know, as soon as Dad and I talked, it wasn't immediate that our relationship was going to take a positive turn. But after we, we really worked through some of these areas of concerns and I processed some of the hurt that I had still percolating inside of me, then we were able to take those steps. So understand that this isn't the time to be impatient. This is the time to understand that, that God's up to something. Uh, I was blessed yesterday to attend a breakfast uh, where Pat Morley was speaking. Anybody do that? Anybody here? He's in town and making several... He was at a, a gathering of men breakfast, and, and but he made the comment that, you know, God is always at work. He, his sovereign presence is here, even in what seems to be random events. And his particular topic happened to be the economic meltdown. And but he said you know, it may be another meltdown. It may be a, a crash. Uh, the, the breakfast was also a, a, a race car driver that was involved in quite a disastrous. Uh, crash at Texas Motor Speedway, who's now driving for Kingdom Racing, which is a Christian racing team, which is a powerful thing in the in the uh, Indy series and NASCAR series. But uh, my, my point is this, is that know that God is at work here in, in, in all these events. And, and you, we don't always see, you know, what in the world are you up to, Lord? It's some of my questions in my prayer, what is this about? And he said, well, you'll catch on when at a later time. You know, some of us have suffered pretty serious loss. I wonder what, what was that illness about? Why did my buddy have to get cancer? What happened? So all that will be perfectly clear five seconds after we die. But in the meantime, we have to embrace the fact that the Lord's always up to something. And as we begin to, to get some of these roadblocks knocked down, whether it be forgiveness, whether it be some other horses running rampant in our house, then we can begin to really connect and understand what the Lord's up to and be the priest in the home that he calls us to be, to take that responsibility and be that influence that he calls us to be. How important is this forgiveness? 
mentioned quite a bit in the Bible. You look at uh, Psalm 103.3, the Lord forgives uh, all sins and heals. Matthew 26.28, the blood of the covenant for the forgiveness of sins. His blood for the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins from Ephesians. That's a tough one. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. But if you don't forgive, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. Matthew 6, 14, 15. That's convicting, isn't it? If your brother repents, forgive him. That's a verse that I, I that's the verse I like to bring out when we talk about tolerance in society today. That's where we have to be very careful. If tolerance manifests into an embracing of a sinful life, a sinful uh, lifestyle or sinful uh, methodology, then we have to be careful on, on what we embrace. Right? If your brother repents, forgive him. Now we may do, forgiveness may be the first step, and then hopefully he'll repent as well and make that 180 degree turn and move move away from the sinful nature. But uh, so if your brother repents, forgive him from Luke 17:3, and finally uh, Colossians 3:12 through 14. Now I want to read this because uh, this is pretty encompassing. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's the Word of God. Amen? Powerful stuff. Easy to do? I told you at the onset, sissies need not apply, right? I wasn't just talking about the homework. This is this is some pretty beefy stuff. And I encourage you to, to look inside as, as we uh, press on. So if we made it to our goal. Our goal is to control the impact of the four horsemen and the listening filters by making sure that we're effective in our communication. And that depends on creating a safe structure in the home and being in the willingness to grant, seek, and receive forgiveness as necessary. That's how we communicate in conflict. Create that safe structure. If there's forgiveness that needs to be had or given, take responsibility for doing that. That's why he calls us Father. That's why he shares the moniker Father with us as his representative. One thing I want to remind you on back here pray, discuss, identify, explore, seek and receive, commit, understand. Those are all verbs. And then we have to love too. Love is a verb. Which means what? We've got to do something. 
we've got to take responsibility for that. I, I just wanted to bring up that they, you know, these are all verbs that we have to embrace and take responsibility for throughout this communication effort. So as we increase our sensitivity, as we are more intentional, understand that that doesn't stop. We have to continue to be very, very purposeful in every dimension uh, as we work to keep these horses from running rampant in the house. All right. Okay, so your homework. Complete week four homework, which we uh, just, uh, that's, that's the uh, communicating and conflict. Stay on top. Again, you've got some daily application work to do. As, uh, don't you think that's kind of interesting the way they do? They kind of wean us into this. You know, the, the first first week's homework is pretty easy. The second week, a little bit more, but it was still. Then we had to do some boxes. We had to complete those application boxes. And now we got some more of them this week as well. Uh, make sure you're initiating an action step for the week. And uh, if there's something going on in your heart or in your home or in any relationship, look at the forgiving and forgiveness side and uh, and take a step forward there. Scripture memorization is uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, and then read uh, the next chapter uh, for, for next week. Your small group breakout, I encourage you to open in prayer utilizing the Colossians passage. Uh, I encourage you to uh, uh, discuss how safe your home is for communication. Is, is there a safe structure that you're working with? And then uh, make next week's action step, update your prayer logs, and close in prayer. Any questions before we break out? Make sense? Good stuff? God stuff? For sissies? Close in prayer. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be here as men seeking your face and trying to uh, walk a bit closer to you tomorrow than, the, than today, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to, to share here, to be real, and to, to move forward in understanding how how intentional, purposeful we need to be in, in communicating more effectively just in our lives and in our homes. So guide us in our time together, Lord. Bring uh, this whole thing into focus as we press on to uh, gain clarity. We lift these things up in the name of the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, small group.